0: This is Tony Lloyd. Being a broadcaster for many years, I've witnessed some great stories in the music industry. And now I want to bring as many music stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts. My goal is that they will inspire others, making their way in the music world.
1: Music Stories with Tony Lloyd.
0: Matt Halabowski, welcome to Music Stories. I'm talking to you from your car in Montreal in Canada, which I think is a first for for Music Stories. Welcome.
1: Uh, Well, indeed. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. Now, um, we'll talk about your music in just a tick. Uh, You've released a new album uh, last week, I think, uh, called Like Flowers on a Molten Lawn. Uh, Where did the title come from, first off?
1: Uh, it's a bit of a funny story. It, it, I'll try to make it a, a short one, but in a nutshell, uh, in 2017, I traveled to uh, Guatemala, and I uh, in Guatemala, there's this volcano called Acatanango, and that volcano is surrounded by two other volcanoes, Agua and Fuego, Fuego uh, being an active volcano still, not uh, in a huge eruption, but just constant slow eruption, sort of every 20 minutes or so you hear a sound akin to thunder. And when you're at, at the top of Akatenango, which takes about a day and a half to climb, uh, at night, as you're camping under the beautiful stars and the the valley of the volcanoes, you see the eruptions happen, and it, it's sort of like a spark in the distance. And mm. and, and you really do see the, the, the throbbing red lava. Um, and fast forward a couple of years later, as, as I was working on this record, I had this dream, this recurring dream where I was on Fuego, on that volcano, and there was a river of lava that was flowing. And in that river grew a solitary flower. And I thought it was the most absurd, hilarious, uh, terrifying, poetic, beautiful uh, image that I'd ever thought of. And mm. so I became obsessed with this image and it started to just permeate within all of my thoughts and dreams for months and months and months and months.
0: Wow. You've got a very good imagination, haven't you? I I guess you need to, uh, composing music. Is that right?
1: I guess so. That or lack of sleep and uh, just a boisterous (laughs) lifestyle. (laughs) And, And lots of books. Lots of books and movies.
0: Right. Okay. And now this is your fourth album. How would you describe the music on it?
1: Oh my! Uh, that's the hardest question that I get asked. Uh, I I don't know that it w- fits within a genre anymore. I think alternative folk is what it's technically called. I I guess it sort of starts off as folk in in its genre because at its core it's it's songwriting in, in the traditional form in that I'm I'm trying to tell a story, uh, but then uh, it's part, partially electronic because there's a lot of uh, knob turning and uh, filtering and and uh, all sorts of sonic experimentation, and there's some classical elements to it because we have you know uh, string ensembles and horn ensembles, um, and there's a little bit of rock and roll too because we have all these electric guitars all over the place. So, uh, atmospheric alternative folk, I guess, would maybe be the succinct way of putting it.
0: Um, I would just call it unique.
1: Unique. Oh well, thank you. That's that's way better. But I w- I wouldn't dare say that. But.
0: <laughs> Okay, now I've listened to uh, the tracks on on the album. I think Sandy Cove is my favourite one. Thank you. Um, it's very good. Why, to is it? Why is that? Well, I found it very um, peaceful and relaxing um, without being boring at all. And I love the way it sort of flows, you know, a bit like the lava in your, in your uh, imagination.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love that one. That's uh that's a really interesting one that happened as many of, of the songs on this particular record happened from just happy accidents where mm-hmm. um so I don't know if your your listeners are are like uh audio uh people. I I'm yeah. assuming by the gear that surrounds you that you are but in uh, I I started uh yeah. uh exploring with the drum machines a lot with this record and with my drummer. We we explored a lot of uh, juxtaposition between acoustic and electronic drums. And I went away for this uh, this little retreat in Nova Scotia, in the east of Canada. And I asked my drummer Stefan to to send me a couple of loops. So he sent me like a, do- a dozen loops, you know, different uh, time signatures, different tempos. And the idea was that I was going to take one loop at a time and, and just try to write some songs to the to the rhythm. Yeah. And at the beginning, I was sort of just starting to learn how to use Pro Tools, uh, and I accidentally, as I so I thought I was working on the first loop and i wrote sandy cove to this this really beautiful uh, electronic uh, beat and it turned out that i'd accidentally uh, kept all 10 of them open simultaneously and so <laughs> what you hear in that song is 10 different drum machines in 10 different sim- time <laughs> signatures and tempos and it sounded a little insane and we we did trim the fat a little bit but for the most part uh, that counts. whole uh, rhythm section is uh, just a complete naive uh, technical error that turned into a song.
0: It's funny how things turn out, isn't it? Yeah. How did you start in music? You know, when you were very young, I mean, did you study it? Did you play it, play composed music when you were at school? And how did it all begin for you?
1: Yeah, very late. I started playing the guitar around late 17. I, I started, um, and I was really more of a, I was really into like p- uh, punk and metal at the time. And when I first picked up the guitar, all I wanted to do was play Metallica. Um, my, I, I studied music for about five months at just like a local music school where I would go once a week and, and, uh, the, the, the teacher would teach me how to play uh, seek and destroy and master of puppets by Metallica. And, and then one day he, he kind of went like, okay, okay, I showed you how to play those songs. Now you got to learn some theory, some chords, um some scales and I never went back for another <laughs> course <laughs> so uh, and and uh, around that time I I'd, I'd, I'd been in a punk band in college and uh and I I happened upon this duo at uh, this kind of talent show thing at the college and uh at, at soundcheck they were these two guys with acoustic guitars, uh, something that I had no interest in at the time and they started playing uh Twilight by Elliot Smith. And my mind was blown and my life was changed forever uh, because I had discovered this beautiful uh, songwriter. And uh, literally a week later, I quit the band and bought an acoustic guitar and I never turned back and I started writing songs and then sort of uh, re-listening to the old catalog of vinyls that my father had, you know, stashed away in a closet with a... You know all the Cat Stevens and Bob Dylan's and Simon and Garfunkels, and just became obsessed with that that particular craft in music, and and then it just it just kind of happened a little by accident because I didn't really mean to to be a musician. I wanted to be an English teacher, um, and then just life took me in this direction, kind of by by accident. And I, at a certain point, I just kind of went with it. At hmm. first, it was sort of just for kicks because I told myself, "Well, if I don't if I don't go with it now, you know, while I'm still young, and uh, maybe I'll regret it one day uh, later." And uh, and I haven't worked any other job in seven or eight years now. So
0: that's quite so fun to, not, quite difficult, isn't it, in the music industry these days?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really fortunate to to live in a in a hyper socialist uh, part of Canada where the government is is of great help to artists and uh, and who are are. Um, are quite good at 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 helping artists thrive and and helping artists you know flourish both at home and abroad. So mm. uh, that's been that's been really lucky that for helps.
0: me. And so, yeah. do you, do you speak French in that part of Canada?
1: Yep, yeah. So my my mother is francophone, my father's anglophone. So I'm, I'm both French and English are my first language. Okay,
0: très bien. Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> that's it. Uh, of course, vous parlez français très bien, j'imagine. Oh oui, un peu. in the south of france i I, I imagine you must yeah i have been here
0: seven years i'm picking it up Um, i'm good in bars and restaurants yes
1: yeah that's uh, same for me in spanish (laughs) that's cool now
0: tell me i was going to ask you about what your musical inferences uh, were and you just told me which is good people like cat stevens and paul simon people like that um so that's that's quite interesting
1: well, those were the early influences, I think. The, they've evolved tremendously over time. I went through my, my Bjork and Radiohead phases. Uh, I, I, the last couple of years, I've been listening to a lot of instrumental music. And for the most part, uh, it's been a lot, lot of ambient Japanese electronic music. Um, one of which is, uh, one of, one of my favorite composers, uh, Rishi Sakamoto, who uh, unfortunately passed away just uh, two days ago. Uh, who's a pioneer of of electronic music and and synthesizer music Mm. in a way that I didn't, I I was always a bit of a Luddite because as I said, I started listening to Simon Garfunkel. And so for me, the purity of the acoustic instrument was something that, that could Mm. never, never be violated by a synthesizer. Mm. God forbid that should find its way in my music. And, uh, and it was composers like Sakamoto who made me realize that there was a way and and Wendy Carlos, who was a bit of a pioneer in, in electronic synthesis music that you could find a way to convey emotion through electronic music in the same way that you might an acoustic instrument. It's all just a matter of crafting the sound uh, in a way that makes you feel the way that you want it mm. to feel. And so I've, I've been really really, really interested in a lot of that stuff in the last of years.
0: How about the lyrics that you write? Do they come from personal experiences or or dreams? Or how, where do they appear from?
1: A, n- a number of places, I think. Uh, uh, a lot of it is from just reading and, and watching movies and conversations. You know, the, the amount of words that you have in your brain is directly related to the amount of, of movies and books and conversations that you've had. Uh, and that you've ingested, and uh, and so a lot of it comes from that. Uh, uh, a lot of the storytelling I did on my first records were a lot of um, just existential questions of youth, of who am I, and what is life, and is religion a real thing, and this, you know what happens after you die, and love, and lust, and all the classic subjects of youth. Yeah. And then uh, a lot of it is just like observation, just looking at people, looking at situations, Um, some fictional storytelling. Um, And and, uh, in the last uh, couple of years, a lot of uh, random word association, which I really enjoy, and uh, um, just sort of uh, free free handwriting, just kind of uh, let it, I'm not sure how you call that, um, where you kind of just let your mind wander and you write in every tangential direction (laughs) that uh, your mind takes you. And and it doesn't really make sense, but then you can kind of reverse engineer meaning uh, out after the fact and, and it does, it ends up making sense to you and and maybe another meaning is formed for somebody else. I, I find that kind of writing really fascinating too.
0: Mm-hmm. I find it fascinating just listening to you talking about it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to uh, up-and-coming musicians listening to this episode of Music Stories about... Uh, their career, and you know, there's a big question. I know, but a general uh, piece of advice to people listening to this in the music business, because it's changed quite a lot, hasn't it, uh, over the last few decades and so on? It's gone online, and
1: and so on. What advice could you give them? Oh my, I wish I, I wish I knew. I, I, th- I, I, I don't know that I know enough about the industry to be able to properly give advice, but I can say the, the way that I, I aim to make a a career in music and the way that I I think I can achieve what I want to do. And that's through uh, trying not to think so much about uh, marketing yourself. I think that a lot of the onus these days is put on the importance of marketing oneself through various forms of social media. And, and though like, i could probably benefit from being a little more present on on those things um though i probably won't uh i i think that the the crux of it is is what it always has been which is if you make good music the people will come so you should be spending the majority of your time working on your craft, be it, uh, you know, writing the best lyrics you possibly can or vocal technique or be- becoming more proficient at your instruments or engineering uh, or producing or arranging or any a part of making a song uh, uh, go from an idea to its completion. That should be what you should be spending your time on. And then the rest of the stuff, you know, uh, will come. I think I really do think that that's true.
0: Great advice, I think. Great. Very good advice. Tell me about your tour coming up later this year in 2023. You're touring um, Canada, obviously, and also France, I understand.
1: Yes, I will be passing through France. Uh, <clears throat> so we have an, a more exp- extensive tour in Canada, where uh, obviously I'm from, and and where we do well enough to uh, afford me a living in music, uh, and uh, and we've been going over to Europe uh, a number of times over the years. And uh, you know, uh, like everybody else, it's not a, a new story. Uh, we got a little hindered by the pandemic. Mm. Um, our our UK team, which was really really uh, great, unfortunately, the, the department that was taking care of us it no longer exists. So we're working on a new team out in the UK. I'm so uh, keen on coming back to the UK. I love the UK. Uh, but but So I think later this year or early the following year, we'll be coming out to see you. And in the meantime, we'll be in France, uh, in La Rochelle, yep. uh, for a festival, the Festival de Franco de La Rochelle, in uh, July, and uh Paris uh, on December 5th will be there as well. And we're working on some other dates uh, surrounding that so that I, I don't just come for the one day.
0: Brilliant. <laughs> Let's hope uh, I can bump into you at one of those gigs, especially the French ones. That sounds good in La Rochelle. It's a lovely place as well. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for talking to me on Music Stories. You've been fascinating to talk to, and I find your music fascinating as well. Uh, Your uh, album, your fourth album it is, uh, Like Flowers on a Molten Lawn, is out now and available to download everywhere, I should imagine. And um, we'll put your website with a text as well on uh, the text that goes with this episode of Music Stories. So thank you very much for talking to me from your car in Montreal. And uh, Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Thank
1: you for having me. Tony Lloyd, creating audio and film worldwide.